Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. What I want to do right now before we get into the message is I want to bring up Dylan Woody. Dylan, come on up here and grab that mic while you're coming. Dylan is our missions coordinator. Yeah, let's go ahead and give him a hand. So Dylan is our missions coordinator. He's been with our church for about five months now, four or five months, I think. And uh, Dylan is, if you want to know what a missions coordinator does, Dylan's primary role is to help us create a culture of local and global missions in our church. And uh, he has such a heart for evangelism. I love the conversations that, that I have with him on a, on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. And we just talk about reaching people for Jesus. Our new street ministry that we've been talking about comes from, from Dylan's heart. And, uh, and I would just encourage everyone want to participate in that and in local and global missions. But Dylan just got back from India. Uh, he was uh, with the SOS Adventure uh, Missions Organization and Samuel Strandberg. Most of you guys know Samuel. He's come and preached here. I went to India with Samuel last October. Uh, Dylan just got back from a similar trip in another part of India in the same state in West Bengal. And, uh, and I just wanted to take a, just a few brief moments to give Dylan an opportunity to tell us what the trip was like. So uh, Dylan, you are back fresh from India. Why don't you tell us about uh, where you were at and what the festival was like? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So yeah, we uh, we just got back last week. We were in a we were in Bengal, up in northeast India, very close to the country of Bhutan, which is actually a, a locked country for the gospel. It's illegal to preach there as of now. So it was really cool being so close to a place where the gospel is completely outlawed and just kind of being on the border of this nation preaching the gospel. Um, we were up in a, in, a, in a place called Old Labaris where the festival was. Um, originally, it was supposed to be somewhere called Totopar. There was a change last minute. So we ended up in this village called Old Labari, and the festival was really breathtaking. Um, so we did a three-night festival, and the first night was, was rough. The first night, there was some kind of what we experienced last, last week here, some technical difficulties, which is even scarier when you're doing it in front of a 1,000 people and you're having technical difficulties. Um, there was this type of things, just spiritual hardness. It was really hard to preach. And then we found out later that maybe like 80% of the crowd was probably Christian, which is cool in a church. But when you're doing an evangelistic crusade, that's not so cool. So the second night, you know, we went back, continued to pray. No one was discouraged from that. Our leader was not discouraged. Um, he talked about just pushing through. The next night was, was really, really, really cool. We showed up in the cars and people were already there. There's more people. They're dancing. They're having a good time celebrating. It was just crazy to see the switch in the atmosphere. And it's really, really just a testimony of what God can do. And you continue to persevere. And the same thing goes in missions, just persevering through that. And the festival it was really cool to see that. It's good. And on the third night was basically just an explosion of, I think we preached to 2,000 people in this wow. village. And, and to tell you a little bit about like where we're preaching, it's, it's really... So these are all Hindu people, really, and um, little Buddhists, but mostly Hindu under a Hindu law. And they've, if they've heard the name of Jesus, that's probably all that they've heard. They've heard the name. They might think it's a, a brand of jeans, for all they know. They've heard <laughs> Jesus, but they don't know what, even know what that means. And some, most of them have probably never heard the name. So you're introducing them to the gospel for the very first time. So it's really amazing to see people come to Jesus that have never heard of him and, and to come in such an abundance of number. It was really awesome. Did you see any miracles while you were there? Oh, yeah. Tons of miracles. Bef definitely on that third night of the festival, there was... So many healings. There was such a gift of healing on the night. And uh, 
It was really cool. I actually, in particular, got to pray with a woman who was, who was blind in her left eye. So the, there's so much faith for, for miracles amongst the unreached people. And they, they hear about Jesus, and they just say, okay, I believe that he can do this. Whoever this God is, you say that he can heal the sick. There's so much faith. And so they're kind of just bringing sick people up to you. And this one woman, young woman, gets brought up to me, and, and, she's, and then she didn't really speak English. It was a translator that said she's blind in her eye. And then I looked at her eye. And, like, she was definitely blind in her eye. It was a cataract over her eye. It was completely blue. You really couldn't. She probably had not seen this eye for a very long time, if at all. And I just put my hand on her real quick. Did not even really pray at all. Just said, in the name of Jesus, I command this eye to see. Took it off. And I, and I took her hand since so she did not really speak much English. And I kind of just brought it up and said, well, begin to do what I'm doing. So she kind of got the idea of what I was telling her. I put up some numbers, put up that. I waved my hand, and she began to just repeat everything that I was doing. Praise so God. it was really amazing. I mean, so this is kind of, I think, hard for us to understand because we don't see a lot of this in our, in our world, in our, in our nation, right? Um, but I can tell you, because when I was in India, and then also our, we have a, a group going to Madagascar in, uh, in the summer um, with the same organization. We partner with them. This kind of stuff happens when you go to the unreached. I mean, it's what you see in the book of Acts, right? And, uh, and it does happen in the United States, guys, just so you know. You just, you know. We don't see it as much because, and I think it has a lot to do with faith. Like you said, there's an expectancy and all that kind of stuff. But that's an incredible, an incredible story. How, how many people, uh, you know, do we have a, a kind of an estimate of how many people gave their hearts to Jesus at, during the festival? So it's hard to say. I don't want to throw out too many numbers on SOS's because uh, I haven't heard statistics. But the final night, there was definitely about 400 gathered, and there was a couple hundred from the other nights. So I don't want to throw yeah. out any number and and any false number so statistics. Lot. But a lot of people <laughs> got saved. We okay. can say that. All right, that's awesome. So, um, but then the the other part of the trip, you went to that village that uh, what was it called? Toto Totopara. Totopara. What did you do there? So Totopara was the village we were originally supposed to have this this evangelistic festival at, but we were not really welcomed in the way that we wanted to be welcomed to preach, and we just didn't feel like there was going to be a lot of favor on the area, so we figured this is not best. And uh, so we went there. There was a small. We found out there was a small church of about maybe seventy people. And we just went there, and we get held a little Christian conference, if you will. And we just began to strengthen them and encourage them. And I think I taught about sharing your faith in your community. Some taught about faith. Some taught about Holy Spirit. And it was really cool. And at the end, we prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We had people speaking in tongues for the first time. So it was an still an incredible thing happened in that village. And we were able to really prophesy over that church and say, you know, we weren't able to put our festival on. That doesn't mean that you're not. And we really believe, and as I was preaching to them, I really was convicted, this is going to be the church that reaches this whole village. Wow. And I'm really, really awesome to be there and encouraging them that, that way. So, okay, so I've heard two things. The first is that, you know, so in this missions trip, the first thing is you guys went and you preached the gospel. There was evangelism taking place. People who had never heard the name of Jesus, or at least in the context of what we're trying to say, uh, you know, and many people responded. Uh, people were healed. The sick were healed. Um, and so, so the church was born in, in that area. But then you also went to another place where you actually met with other churches and you strengthened that church, that's beautiful, and that's mission. So I guess to close our interview, can you, if there might be somebody in, in the crowd right now who's saying, this is awesome, and I love that our church is participating in missions work. We see Jesus in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? So we're like, I believe in that, let's do it. And, but we keep talking about 
giving everyone opportunities to go on these trips, right? We have Madagascar happening in June, and then some of us are also going to Greece in, in uh, October, and we're going to be doing this every year. Somebody in the crowd might be saying, I get it, and I'm with it, and I'm awesome. I think it's awesome, but why me? Why should I, Jared, go on this trip? Like, do you have any thoughts about why it's important for all of us to participate and not just kind of support the church that does? Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, so I, you, get, you get it a lot when you go over to another nation, you know, uh, why are you going there? There's people here that are not saved, you know, why are you wasting your time with that? Let someone else do it. And really, I begin to look at the Bible and the scriptures and what Jesus said to all 11 disciples, to go make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, you go here, you're going to pastor a church, you're going to do this. We all have individual callings in our life, and we must fulfill those callings, whether it's here in Europe or to the unreached. You have to fulfill your own calling in life. But I believe the church has a mission, and the mission of the church is to reach the unreached. It's to That's reach good. every nation. And God has, because he loves us so much, I don't believe anybody here who doesn't go on a trip and never sees the unreached and never goes and does this is condemned in any way. Or you right. are a sinner, you don't do this. That's not what I'm saying. But what I do see in the scriptures and in the book of Acts is that God has opened up an amazing door. An opportunity for all of us to be able to share in the Great Commission because he loves us so much. You know, I have no right to be in this nation halfway across the world preaching the gospel. Right. I'm from New Jersey. I did nothing <laughs> exciting with my pretty life. Pretty bad place, sorry. Yeah, a pretty <laughs> terrible place. But, you know, who are we to get to do this? But God has opened the door for every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you got saved last week or you've been a Christian your whole life. It doesn't matter if you've spoken in tongues before. It doesn't matter if you have not. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. God is calling us to go as a church to go preach the gospel to those who have not heard. And that's why I believe each and every one of us have an amazing opportunity. Here in Encounter, we're going to be going every year with Mission SOS. And I would urge everybody to sign up. Even if you do it one time in your whole life, experience what God is doing around the nations. Because God is redeeming every tribe, every language, every tongue to himself. And then Jesus will come back when every nation is reached. So join in it. It's an amazing experience. And he's opened the door for all of us, no matter who you are. And I love the hashtag, uh, live the adventure and join the adventure. I mean, that's on all the SOS stuff, and I've just stolen it for all my stuff. But I love it, and that's really what it is, I think, is what I found when I came back from India, I was a different person. And some of you guys have seen that, and hopefully it's been in a good way. I know it's been a good way in my life. It, it, you know, so some people would say, like, I, I'm called to, to reach Pittsburgh. That's what I say. But you know what? When I went there and I came back, I am more empowered to reach the city here because of what happened there. So not only do you get to participate, it actually has a residual effect on your life. And so I would just encourage you, you know, look, there's no pressure on anybody. We're not trying to say you have to go like this year or whatever. Just be open to what God would say to you and watch as he, as he transforms your life as you participate in what is most important and dear to his heart. So guys, let's give uh, Dylan a big hand. Thanks for sharing with us, brother. So excited you're back. And I love the fact that our church is passionate about missions locally and globally, and I believe that there is blessing in our lives, uh, in, in our church, and in, 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 in what we do when we participate in what is most important to God. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Dylan. Okay, well, uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into the message now. Um, we are continuing our series, Dashboard, Indicators for a Healthy Life, that we began last week. You know, I believe that the Bible teaches that, that God desires for each of us to live healthy and fulfilling lives. I believe that God likes us. 
I really do. I believe that God likes us. I believe that like as his children, that he wants us to live lives that are, that are fruitful and full of good things. That doesn't mean that life's not going to have challenges, but that the Bible teaches that God loves his children and wants us to live healthy lives. And it's filled with principles. The Bible is filled with principles that if we apply them, will help us to have that purposeful, healthy life. And so we've created this series called Dashboard, right? And just like in our car, we have a dashboard that has indicators on it that help us know if our car is functioning properly. So the same is true in Scripture, that if we read God's Word like a spiritual dashboard, we will see indicators that will help us to know if we are living a healthy life and to live the healthy life that God has created us to live. And last week we began with probably the most important of all indicators, and that's the check engine light. And what we really discovered was that every one of us are disconnected from God without Jesus. That's the reality of it. And that we need him at the center of our lives to truly live a healthy life. And the big idea for last week's message, the thing that everything kind of hinged on, was that it's not enough to recognize that there's a problem. It's not enough for us to simply say there's something missing in my life. We have to allow Jesus to fix it and to give us a reconnection to our creator. And from that place, we can then begin to live a full, healthy life. Well, this week, I'm excited. I'm excited for this message. We are um, going to examine another indicator, which is also very important, and that is the fuel gauge. The fuel gauge. Um, How many of you know how important it is to have gas in the tank? Right. You can't go anywhere without gas, right? How many of you have ever run out of gas? It is an awful experience. It is an awful experience. Now, you don't have to raise your hand uh, today to this one, but how many of you are, feel like you're in this room running out of gas at this moment? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you feel like in your own life you're running out of gas? You know, I am notorious for driving with the, che- with the uh, fuel gauge light on. I do it all the time. In fact, I make it a game that when I'm driving my car and the little light, the little gas pump light comes on, I do this calculation in my head, how many miles I can go before I get to the gas station, before you know, I pass gas station after gas station, and then this little light in my head is going, you should stop. You really should stop and get gas. And I'm going, I think I get a 40 miles after the light goes on, and I'm pretty sure I've only gone 27. So I, you know, I just keep going, and I go, well, where am I going? And, and I'm like, I think there's a gas station maybe four miles up the road. Like, this is the game that I play. And, and, uh, but I got to tell you that there have been a few times where I guessed wrong, and I have run out of gas. And uh, it is not a fun experience. If you have ever run out of gas, you know the moment that I'm talking about where, where you're pushing down the gas pedal and then your car starts to sputter a little bit. So you push down the gas one last time, hoping to get one last push of gas to get you where you want to go. And then all of a sudden, the, the engine sort of shakes and then nothing, right? Everything just sort of stops and you, have, you lose pretty much all your power, all your momentum. Everything is gone and you just get stuck and everything is gone. Why do I do that? That's the question I ask myself. Why do I do that? Because running out of gas has never been a good experience, ever. It's never been like, yay, I ran out of gas. This is great. The place that I was going to doesn't matter, right? Like, that's not what happens. In fact, the process of running out of gas and, and running on empty is really a stressful one. I'm not focused on the good things. I'm actually always thinking about how much gas I have left in the tank, right? 
This is what happens. I think that we all agree that we would all agree that, that driving on a full tank of gas is a much better experience. Well, let me see your hand if you think having gas in a tank is better than not having it, right? Everybody understands that. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, when we have a full tank of gas, there's not a lot better in life than having a full tank. When you're done and that little click button happens on the gas pump and you know that it's full and you get in and you see the little arrow go all the way to the top, you're like, I can do anything now. I can go anywhere I want. Like having gas in the tank makes everything better. You feel like possibilities are endless, right? But this is not reality. This is not how we live our life. If we're honest, I think most of us would say that we probably drive more on the closer to running out of gas side than we do on the full and vibrant tank of gas, right? This is, this is what I think is, 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 is our lifestyle. And I don't think that we're, I'm not even talking about our car anymore. I'm talking about our personal lives. I think we do the same thing, that we are so busy that we, are, we run out of energy and we feel like we do all the things that we have to do and we're more often than not running on an empty tank of gas than we are on a full tank. I mean, think about it. The things that take our energy. And I want to ask you this question. Where is your fuel gauge today? Where are you at today? And so think about parenting. All the things we have to do as, as parents, we get our kids up, and whether they're sleeping well at night or taking them to daycare or taking them to sports and making sure that their grades are good and getting them clothes and taking care of. Parenting is hard, and it, and it takes a lot of our energy. What about adulting? Just adulting in general is frustrating at times, whether you have to do the laundry or you got to mow the, the grass or you got to pay your bills, you got to get up and go to work or you got to go to bed on time. And, you know, like you have to worry about things that adulting is just difficult. What about things like jobbing. That's not even a real word, but I made it up. Like, you got to get up and you're worried about your career. Like, am I doing things appropriately to keep my job? I'm trying to work and get myself ahead so that I can build a life for myself. All of these things take our energy. Bills, like, they never stop coming. It's like I pay it and then it comes back again. It happens all the time and, and, and they just seem to pile up. There's more and more of them and it takes our energy and we're worried about our bills all the time. What about things like like school, like I have to get up in the morning and go to class and I'm worried about whether or not I'm understanding something and my exams are coming and, and I'm, I'm having to make sure that I'm my friends and I'm hanging out with the right people. I mean, these are all the things that we worry about. And some of us, we worry about our physical health and that takes our energy, whether it's trying to be healthy, finding the time to go to the gym or to exercise. For some of us, we have medical problems and the medical bills are the things that cause us stress. All of these things zap our energy and they take the fuel out of the tank. But there is good news. There is good news for us. And that is that the Bible talks about our fuel for life. Where is your fuel gauge at today? The Bible tells us that we not only does it address the idea of where our fuel is, it talks about how we can keep ourselves refueling our tank on a regular basis. And I believe as I was writing this message today, as we were praying this morning, as I've just been going throughout this whole week, that there are people in the, in the room today who desperately need to hear the message that I'm about to give you. And I don't say that to, like, boost me up, because believe me, like, I'm not great at this sometimes. The reality is, is that when Jesus speaks, he can address your situation wherever you are. If you are tired, if you are running out of gas Listen to the words of Jesus today. And so I'm so excited for this, for this message. We're going to start today 
by looking at the words of Jesus. And I think they're going to encourage us today. How can we keep our fuel tank full in life? If you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of Matthew. That is the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew is the first of the, uh, in the New Testament which is the second half of the Bible. Open up to Matthew chapter 11. It'll also be on the screen here. And if you have a smartphone or a tablet, get the YouVersion Bible app and you can look at it there and anywhere you go. We're gonna begin reading in verse 28 and listen to the words of Jesus about the fuel in our lives. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Pause. Are you weary today? Would you classify yourself as tired Are you heavy burdened? Do you have things going on in your life right now that you just, I'm heavy. I feel like I've got the world on my shoulders. He's talking to you right now. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. I love that he says, I will give you rest. And let me tell you something. This is probably the least expected thing that anybody expects to hear when they come to a church or when they talk to Christians. And that's a sad fact. But the reality is, is that most people come to church expecting to hear rules or things that they have to give up or some kind of hard-hitting teaching, you know? But what they least expect to hear, or when someone is having coffee with a Christian and they're just sharing their, their story, what they least expect to hear is Jesus says, come to him and he will give you rest. I love that, that Jesus wants us to have peace, that he says, I offer you something, rest in the middle of what's going on. Not an escape from it. Jesus is saying, I see that you have bills. I see that you're a parent. I see that you have a career. I see that you live in this community that you're, that you're worried about, you know, what's going on here. I see that you have, have a spouse and you guys are having troubles in your relationship. I see that your kids are misbehaving and not doing well at school. I see all of these things that your health is not going well. I understand. He says, but I'm here to give you rest in the middle of it. Not an escape from it. In the middle of it. He's trying to teach us. I think that what Jesus is saying here is he's trying to teach us that there is a way to live where we can be continually fueled throughout life. So he says, come to me and I will give you rest. But then he says this interesting phrase, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? Like we know like an egg yoke. And some of us know from like farming, like a yoke on ox is like there's the the wooden beam that goes over that connects to, and that's kind of like it. But you actually have to understand Jewish culture to really understand what he's saying here. So during the Jewish time, and even even today, we have, how many of you ever heard of the word rabbi? Ever heard of what a rabbi is? A rabbi is like a a, a teacher of the law, all right? So, So they were one of the most respected individuals in Jewish society. Jesus was a rabbi, and there were other rabbis. And so a rabbi would have disciples. A rabbi would find individuals that he thought were, would be able to live exactly like they lived. They would be able to understand what he was going to teach them, and that they would basically spend their entire existence for the rest of this time learning from their master and then replicating it, okay? And, and what 
what separated one rabbi from another was called a yoke. So there was the Torah that they would all believe. The Jewish people, the first five books of the Bible, we call it the Pentateuch, they call it the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Those are the, that's the law that God gave Moses on top of Mount Sinai that we read in Exodus, okay? That's what's called the Torah. Now, just like today, when we read a passage of scripture and one pastor might say, well, this is what this scripture really means. But then another pastor over here says, well, this is kind of what it's saying instead, right? Two different interpretations of the same passage. That's what happened with rabbis. So a rabbi, A, would have his own particular set of teachings based off the Torah, and his disciples would follow his teachings. Rabbi B would have his particular unique interpretation of the Torah, and those disciples would know that, that what he taught, and they would live that out. And that was called a yoke, okay? A yoke was the unique teaching of a particular rabbi. And so when you saw his disciples, you knew what the, that particular rabbi taught based on the yoke that they live by. Does that make sense to everybody? So let's go back now and read it. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. He says, my yoke is easy to bear and my burden that I give you is light. Jesus is saying that my way the way that I taught you, the way that I'm showing you to live, the principles that I live by and am telling my disciples to live by bring rest. They bring peace. They, this is the key to life. I believe that what Jesus is saying here, and he is making the claim that every person who follows the yoke of Jesus and what we are all searching for is found in his truth, in his yoke. Now, this sounds really counterintuitive because we're like, I don't understand how I can follow a teaching and find rest. And some of you right now might even be feeling like kind of frustrated or maybe kind of let down. And let me explain why. Because when I start my message and I start by saying like, hey, are you tired today? Well, there's good news for you. And you're like, great. Pastor Jared's going to tell me that like I can go spend five minutes in prayer and I'm going to feel better, right? Like, because what people want when they have a problem is they want the answer, something they can do, right? I get it. I'm like that too. And so what's happening here is something that I like to call Kung Fu methodology. Kung Fu methodology. How many of you, we have a, a picture on the screen here. How many of you have ever seen movies, and it happens all the time, where some student, some, some person has a problem, and they want to go to a master who they know has the answers, right? And they begin training, and they say, teach me. Right? We see it in kung fu movies all the time. They say, I want to learn to fight because I have this enemy I have to fight over here. And then they get to their first lesson, and then the student is ready and prepared to begin fighting. And then the master goes, wait, first you must learn to just be. Right? How many times have we seen that? Or maybe in the Matrix where we've seen, uh, like Morpheus tells Neo, you have to free your mind. Or in Star Wars, he says, become one with the force. Now, if you're the student, or you're sitting here in the room, and you're thinking, what the heck are you talking about? How am I supposed to do that? I'm tired. I'm frustrated with my life. And you're telling me I have to just take the yoke of Jesus on my shoulders. What does that mean? But you have to understand, the point that this is making, that every movie does this, is because the reality is, is that the truth is, is that the master knows that it's the struggle of every day, of trying to learn the principle that ultimately results in realizing what he's saying. 
And that's the thing. This, is, this kung fu methodology is you have to understand that it's not about the task. If you're trying to fight someone, it wasn't about the punch. It was understanding how to fight in the first place. And what Jesus is saying here is I could give you like, yes, okay, take 10 minutes every day and meditate, and that will help you feel better temporarily. But it's not going to solve your problem. What you need is a new way of life. You need a way of living. And Jesus is making the incredible claim that everything in life will be solved if you live by his teachings. And so it's Jesus's kung fu methodology. Listen, Jesus's kung fu methodology. So there's another translation of this same passage of scripture here, okay, that, that I want to read to you. It's from a, a translation called The Message. The message is not a literal translation of the old manuscripts that we know of as the Bible. It is a paraphrase and written in like a narrative, um, sort of like devotional format. It's really beautiful language. I want to read the same passage, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, and I want you to listen to the message translation of this scripture and listen to it from the perspective of the yoke of the teaching of Jesus and what he's trying to say. Let's read this together. I'm going to read it. Jesus is saying, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. I love that Jesus is saying, just learn from me and I will show you what you need to live a life that is fueled. You know, we run around like chickens with our heads cut off all the time. And I feel like what Jesus is saying to us is come to me, learn from me, and I will show you how to truly live. You know, Jesus wants our gas tank to be full he wants us to enjoy our life, and mostly he wants us to be able to participate. Like, like Dylan was saying, I love that. We get an opportunity to participate in the redemption, in the healing of this world. Like, who am I? Who are you? I'm just some guy. But Jesus says, I love you, and I want you to come learn from me and participate in this good thing that I'm doing. But we can't do that if we're always feeling like we're empty and we've got no energy to get out of bed. You know, Jesus is saying, I can give you rest even when your bills stink. I can give you rest even when your job is awful. I can give you rest and peace even when your marriage is in trouble. I can give you peace and rest when you have like a bum arm because it's broken. He says, no matter what's going on, I can give you rest, but you have to live by my way. And it's not like a, it's not like a, like a rule of like, oh, you know, I'm just a jerk and I'm making you do what I want. No, it's, it's he knows that he created the universe and the system that he created. If we would just live by his principles, then we would function properly because that's how it was designed to be. I love it. So our big idea today is this. This is what everything hinges on. If you're taking notes, write this down. Fill up on Jesus to have energy for everything else. That's what he's saying here. Fill up on Jesus to have energy for everything else. I, I, feel, like, I feel like some of you, again, are, might be feeling, hopefully you're not feeling frustrated anymore because I've explained the whole kung fu methodology thing. But what I'm trying to say about it is, is it sounds like a cop-out, right? It sounds like, oh, you're just telling me to fill up on Jesus. How does that solve my real-world problems? 
What I'm trying to say is that the reality is, is that God's word teaches, the promise of Jesus is that if we take his worldview, if we begin to approach our life, our problem, our situations, our habits, based on the way that Jesus teaches throughout scripture, that all of those other things now will fall into their proper place. The bills no longer become the priority of my life. Jesus is at the focus, and then the bills go to their proper place, and he begins to give me the tools to manage them properly. Do you understand? That's what we're trying to say here. Jesus is not saying that all these other things aren't important. He's saying that by living under his teaching, by giving your all towards his principles, his way of living, his perspective, his worldview, when we do that, we will then have the energy to flow into everything else. Because i got to tell you, when I've put Jesus on the side and put anything else in the front, my gas tank goes to empty. When I spend time regularly in the presence of God, whether privately or just taking him everywhere I go, I have energy for everything that I need. I, I, I can tell you, I'm a living example of this. Fill up with Jesus and you'll have energy for everything else. So how can we live this out? This is kind of the last, the last section of this message today. How do we do that? What, what can we actually begin to practice if the master is saying, I'm teaching you the things that you need to know, but right now you need to understand my way of living first. How do we do that? Well, here's three quick thoughts. First is this, let Jesus be the teacher. We have a lot of people who want to be teachers in our world. A lot of, a lot of magazines, a lot of uh, media publications, a lot of, um, you know, pseudo-spiritual type of studios that we can go to to do different practices of things. Friends, right, neighbors, um, other religions, they're all trying to be the teacher. We have to make a decision in our lives. Who is our master? Who is going to be our teacher? And Jesus is saying, you can't have one yoke and another. You have to say, I'm going to pick the yoke of this teacher and take it on. And here's, here's something that's important to understand about the disciple-rabbi relationship. When someone said, I'm going to be a rabbi, it wasn't just like, oh, well, for the next like 10 days, I'm going to learn a little bit about you, and then I'm going to go over to this rabbi, and I'm going to learn from him, and then I'm going to go over here and learn from this guy, and by the end of it, I'm going to have a bunch of like a worldview that's very expanded. No, a disciple spent years with this one teacher and learning the nuances of his life, the nuances of his interpretation. He took it on with one goal in mind, and that was to literally behave and act like the master. So when the master sent the disciple out, he was literally a representative of the master. So that's what we're supposed to do as Christians, is to say, Jesus, you are my teacher. We have to say, you're the one. And that means that he's going to teach us things that we don't already know, that means that he's going to teach us some things that we already know that we don't want to accept. And that also means that he's going to teach us things that we don't want to believe or we think otherwise. When we let Jesus be the teacher, we say, you know better than I do. Your ways are not my ways, but I am now making them mine. That's what it means to become a Christian, to become a disciple of Jesus. To take on his yoke is to say, I don't understand right now, but I'm going to do what you say, and I will begin to understand eventually. And if you don't believe me, just look at all the kung fu movies because that's what happens, right? Okay. Number two, after we let Jesus be the teacher, which is always, it never stops. Number two is we have to spend time learning his ways. It's not enough for us to say, I want to be a disciple and I'm just going to kind of, you know, let you be my teacher when it's comfortable for me. The disciple had to go where Jesus went. 
A disciple had to, to eat dinner with Jesus. He had to get up in the morning when Jesus went to pray. He had to go on the trips with Jesus. He had to sit down while, while the master was reading passages of Scripture and, 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 and then explaining and extrapolating on what those passages meant. As disciples of Jesus, we have to do the same thing. If we want to have the master's way within us, if we want the benefit of the peace and the rest for our souls and the fuel for our gas tank for life, we have to say, I'm taking your yoke fully, which means I have to learn how you do it. I can't just magic, magically say, I'm your disciple, and now I'm going to have the benefits. No, you have to live like the master before you're going to reap the, the benefits of the master's life, okay? So we have to spend time learning the ways of Jesus. That means reading God's word. That means attending a life group because that's where you hear this message for 25, 30 minutes, but then you get to go spend an hour and a half with friends and you get to talk about it. And like, what does that mean for my life? Like, I'm a busy person. I've got a career. How do I spend time with Jesus in a busy career? And then you've got six to 10 other people who are telling you how they do it or trying to struggle through it together. That's the beauty of life groups. You can't pretend to be a disciple of Jesus and not actually learn his ways. We have to spend time learning his ways, reading books, going to blogs, listening to podcasts, going to conferences, going to church on a regular basis and making it a priority to hear God's word, going to other churches, visiting other people, going on missions trips. All of these things are learning the way of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus did all of them. So we have to let Jesus be the teacher. We have to spend time learning his ways. And then number three, we have to replicate what he teaches. We have to replicate what he teaches. The practical result of everything here is the peace and the rest that we want. Every person in this room wants a reprieve, right? Every one of us goes, my gosh, my life is so busy. I feel like it's a whirlwind swirling around me. But Jesus says, I can give you the energy that you need. I can give you what you need to make it through all of it and not just survive, but to actually have, have like enough energy to where you can look around and say, wow, God created this beautiful world. What an opportunity I get to do these things. I'm a partner in this world. I'm not just a, a passenger, right? All of that's available if we spend time learning his ways. I love that he says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. A lot of us in the room don't think that way. A lot of us go, wait a minute, what do you mean? Like, I, all I've ever heard about my faith, about faith in Jesus, is I got to do this, I have to give up that. The reality is, is that when you come to know Jesus, and you strip away everything you've ever heard anybody say, if you get down to the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus are, come to me and I will give you rest. I offer grace in the middle of your guilt. I give you peace. I give you mercy. I give you love. And when you know him, when you spend time with Jesus, in the presence of him, you are changed. And then you go, you know what? Wow, this thing that I do on a regular basis, it's not healthy. It's destroying me. It's pulling me away from the thing that I feel when I'm with Jesus. I have peace transcendently in my heart every day when I'm with Jesus. But then when I go over here and I'm getting drunk every night, I don't feel that peace anymore. You know, it's like I'm with Jesus and I feel awesome and I have mercy and I'm forgiven and my life is getting put back together and I'm sleeping around and it's pulling me away from that feeling. You know, like whatever it might be in your life. It's not about those things. It's about knowing Jesus. And when you know him, when you experience his presence, then the spiritual byproduct is that the peace and the rest comes in your life. We have to become more about knowing Jesus than we have to be about the rules of Christianity. The rules are there as a byproduct that we want to live in a life that design around the concept of knowing Jesus. 
and helping us connect with him. Everything else just pulls us away from him. That's all it is. We have to replicate what Jesus teaches. Let, us, let Jesus be the teacher, spend time learning his ways, and replicate what Jesus teaches. I want to finish with this passage of Scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40 is talking about the rest that we all desire, and I want you to hear this. Isaiah 40, this is in the Old Testament, verses 28 to 31. It says, have you never heard, have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. I love this, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Are you tired today? Are you weary? Are you heavy burdened? Come to Jesus. Put your trust in God. He will renew your strength. If you don't know Jesus personally today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to meet him today and you can experience this. If you already have a relationship with Jesus today, maybe you need to spend more time with him, allowing him to be your teacher, spending time learning his ways and replicating what he's teaching you. It might sound counterintuitive, I understand, but listen, his promises are true. If we come to him, if we take on his yoke, he promises rest for our souls. Fill up on Jesus to have energy for everything else. And we find the rest that we need when we take on the yoke of Jesus. Would you stand with me and pray together? Jesus, you offer something that no one else offers. We may find temporary rest on vacation or when we take time off or when we do something fun. But the only place that has ever found true peace, true rest, true energy in the middle of all of it is when in your presence. We want to know you. We want to live the way you created us to live. If there's anyone in the room right now who wants to begin a relationship with Jesus, maybe you never have, or you want to say, I want to recommit my life to him. I want this peace. I want this rest. It's not about the numbers. What it is about is just getting yourself right, making sure you've got your check engine light taken care of, making sure you're beginning to go to the gas station to get the fuel that you need for your life. If you want to know Jesus or you want to recommit and say, say, I, I just, I, I'm, I haven't been doing it. I need to, to, to give Jesus everything. I just want you to lift your hand up right now so I can pray for you. Anyone in the room? Yes. Anyone else? Anyone in the room? Yes. I love it. I'm seeing hands all over. Yes. And if we're honest as Christians, those of us who say, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm, I have not been spending the time. I don't think I've fully taken on his yoke. I don't think I even really understood. I've been kind of doing my own thing and kind of, kind of applying pieces. But today I want, today I want to say, I want to know what you think is the best way, Jesus. I want to take on your way of life. I want to walk with you. I want to work with you. I want to watch you, Jesus, and I want to apply it to my life. If that's you today, I want as a Christian, you raise your hand today, and I want to pray over you as well. Any Christians in the room who say, I want more of Jesus. I want more. Yes, 
more hands. This is nothing to be ashamed of, be embarrassed of. This is a wonderful thing, actually, because you are taking off the chains off of your life, the things that are holding you back. I understand that some of you, you say, you know, I don't think I have to raise your hand. And no, you don't. It's not about that. But something happens when you just outwardly say it. For some of you who are tired and you're weary, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of us, for those who want to know Jesus and those who are recommitting their lives and those who are saying, I'm just going to redouble my efforts to learn and to live like Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, I need you in my life and I, I can't get by on my own. I've tried all sorts of things, but today I'm coming to you. You promise rest for me and I accept your rest. I accept your peace. Teach me to live like you. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Savior. I believe that I, if I come to you, that you forgive me. You offer me grace when I don't deserve it. And I choose to follow you. And now for all of us in the room, I, Father, I just want to live like your Son. My life is crazy. Tell him what it is that's going on in your life right now busyness, crazy things, things that you're worried about, things that you're frustrated. These things are weighing me down. They're taking all of my energy. But Jesus, you offer me rest in the middle of it. Teach me to see these situations like you do. Help me to look to what you would say. Teach me what life is supposed to be like. Teach me how to respond to my wife. Teach me how to, the perspective that I need for my job or for my house or my finances. Teach me the perspective of my, for my health and my body or with school or whatever is going on. Teach me your ways. Give me opportunities to spend time with you. Help me to replicate what I see in you. I will take on your yoke on my life and I will receive your peace and your rest and the energy and the fuel for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all sing together to respond to Jesus, just a simple chorus together, and we'll close in just a moment. Let's sing together in worship. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.